Welcome to the Abbott Circle podcast. I'm Father Ambrose Christ, and I'm the novice master here at St. Michael's Abbey. We hope that you enjoy the following recording. To learn more about the Norbertines, visit theabbotcircle.com. God bless you. He appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. In the side naves of this abbey church, high up on the walls, are candles, four on each side. There are two more on each side in the sanctuary as well. These are the dedication candles to mark those twelve places on the walls where sacred chrism was applied on May 4th last year to consecrate the church for the worship of Almighty God. And right above those candles is a dedication cross, each bearing the name of one of the twelve apostles. This is to signify that the Church of Christ has an unshakable foundation. The first foundation, the rock on which all else is built, is Christ himself. For no one can lay a foundation, St. Paul says, other than the one that is there, namely Jesus Christ. And yet there is a foundation on that foundation. The book of Revelation says, Then I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. The wall of the city had twelve courses of stones as its foundation, on which were inscribed the twelve names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. As a sign that what we do here shares in the church triumphant, that we are one in the same church, on our walls too are inscribed the twelve names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. The holy city, the new Jerusalem, is present here. It's harder to see from out there, but on the underside of the arch that leads into the presbyterium, where the priests sit and Christ Jesus is present in the Blessed Sacrament, there are also inscribed in mosaic the twelve apostles, a portrait and a name for each. This signifies that the priesthood and the Holy Eucharist come to us through the apostles. They were the first bishops, but more than bishops. Put out into deep water and lower your nets for a catch. As bishops, the apostles had the fullness of the sacrament of orders, And through the laying on of hands, they transmitted to their successors that fullness of power. They could absolve sinners, administer confirmation, celebrate Mass, and in turn ordain their successors, such that there is an unbroken line stretching back from the Twelve at the Last Supper down to each member of the College of Bishops today. But that wasn't enough. 
just as the mission of the apostles was greater and more fundamental than that of mere bishops, so also were their powers more extensive. They had very particular qualifications, and they were entrusted with a very particular charge. What do I mean? When Peter stood up among the brethren in order to pick a replacement for Judas Iscariot, the two qualifications were that the man had been among them from Christ's baptism by John until his ascension, and that he could be a witness to Christ's resurrection. This second qualification was spoken of by St. Paul in the second reading today. Christ was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. He appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 brothers at once, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. After that, he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one born abnormally, he appeared to me. That the brethren proposed two candidates implies there were more who met these standards. Otherwise, Peter would have just taken those two. But meeting those qualifications alone didn't make one an apostle any more than knowing philosophy and theology makes one a priest now. The action of the Holy Spirit was required. So what was that particular mission given to the apostles and not to their successors, the bishops? And what were their special privileges that enabled them to fulfill that mission? The wall of the city had 12 courses of stones as its foundation, on which were inscribed the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. The apostles alone were the foundation of the hierarchical structure of the church. There are three functions of the sacred hierarchy, to preach, to sanctify, and to govern. Go into the whole world and proclaim the gospel to every creature. In order to convert the nations, each of the apostles needed three things. To possess the deposit of revelation perfectly, to be able to convey it without error, and sometimes to commit it to writing just as God wanted. And so Jesus promised them at the Last Supper that full knowledge of revelation would be theirs. The Holy Spirit that the Father will send in my name. He will teach you everything and remind you of all that I told you. Second, when they proclaimed the word of God, they each possessed what we now call the charism of infallibility, as Jesus also promised. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you always, the spirit of truth, which the world cannot accept because it neither sees nor knows him, but you know him because he remains with you and will be in you. 
Put this infallibility into writing, and we have the related charism of biblical inspiration, whereby human authors were chosen by God and employed by him so that with him acting in them and through them, they, as true authors, consigned to writing everything and only those things which he wanted. That fullness of revelation the apostles gave to the church cannot be added to or taken away from, cannot be changed. What they received from Christ, they delivered once for all time. Since the church now has this revelation, there is no more charism of inspiration, no new sacred scriptures ever again. But since she still needs to defend and explain this body of truth without possibility of error, we still have the charism of infallibility exercised either by the Roman pontiff alone or together with the College of Bishops in a solemn definition. Once the gospel is preached and people are ready to receive it, they are sanctified by the sacraments. Jesus said, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. In this function of the sacred hierarchy, although the apostles did not institute the sacraments, only the power of Christ could do that, Yet he left to them the promulgation of some of them, so that the church knows Christ instituted them because the apostles told us. For example, the anointing of the sick, promulgated in the letter of James. Bishops now only administer the sacraments. They neither institute them nor promulgate them. As to their own sanctification, the difference between the apostles and their successors, the bishops, is that the apostles received from the Holy Spirit at Pentecost the privilege of confirmation in grace. United to Christ through charity, they could never be separated from him, never commit a mortal sin. Otherwise, they would be foundations not of stone, but of sand. This clearly is not a privilege granted through ordination to the episcopacy. And once Christians believe and are baptized, they, needed, they need to be shepherded and guided along the right path. When Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, he added, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. Such governance ensures a unity in the Holy Spirit, even while rejoicing in a variety of cultural backgrounds and liturgical rites. But since the church needed a first impetus to spread across the earth, each of the apostles was granted the privilege of founding churches and incorporating them into the universal church. This is a rite now reserved by the law of the Latin Church to the See of Rome. Only the Roman pontiff's authority 
can establish new dioceses. These men, these twelve heroes, stand head and shoulders above the rest of us. Weak and sinful like the rest of us, with Peter they could fall to their knees and say, Depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. And yet God's grace raised them unimaginably higher than their natural stature. For that, we honor them, and the sheer gratuity of grace which works such wonders among the sons of men. These men fearlessly put out into the deep, deep waters of pagan lands and evil hearts. And so great was their charity that they are even to this day fishers of men. This is what we mean when we profess every week et unam sanctam catholicam et apostolicam ecclesiam. I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. What Christ founded, they founded. What they founded, we build. What Christ taught, they taught. And what they taught, we teach. By the obedience of faith, reception of the sacraments, and submission to ecclesiastical jurisdiction, we are united through the bishops to the apostles, and through the apostles to Christ Jesus himself. Through the intercession of the Mother of God, Queen of the Apostles, may the bishops, successors of the apostles, teach us the unchanging truth of Jesus Christ, sanctify us with his grace, and govern us by the Holy Spirit, so that along with the apostles, we may rejoice to find our names written in heaven.